The Washington Post has released audio of Donald Trump speaking with the Georgia Secretary of State and his legal counsel. In a four minute and 32 second clip, Trump says, I just want to find 11,780 votes. The Washington Post called it an extraordinary hour long call. The only issue is that all that's been released so far is four minutes and 32 seconds, and there are numerous jump cuts. I don't know exactly what Trump is talking about. It makes it hard to find the full context. Now, the issue here uh, specifically is that there have been many instances where the media has taken things out of context, and it's hard to know exactly what Trump was talking about in reference to 11,780 votes. The reason why that stood out to me is that Trump is informed earlier in the call, and it's a fact that he actually lost by 12,000 or so votes. So what does it mean that Trump wants to find these votes and why? Hard to know when the Washington Post hasn't released the full audio. Of course, tribal partisans are already freaking out, mostly leftist Democrats and many never Trump or Republican types. And it's exactly what you'd expect. Once again, another story that shows it doesn't matter what comes out. It doesn't matter what Trump says. He's wrong. It doesn't matter what Trump says to the Trump supporters. He's right. In the call, you can hear Trump saying no one will be mad at you if you recalculate. He says people will respect you. Trump's actually correct. But he's approaching this from a Trump perspective. Trump supporters absolutely agree with the president when he says these things on the call. And it's surprising to absolutely no one. So the deeper story here is not just about this extraordinary hour long phone call for which we don't actually get to listen to. It's about the obvious reaction from tribalist partisans. People are going insane. Why I tweeted at Frank Luntz, the famous pollster, because he posted a clip and I just simply said, is there a full recording? And boy, did he and many tribal leftists explode. I'm not sitting here getting tons of support from Trump supporters when I say Lynn Wood has lost his mind, Sidney Powell's lawsuit is crazy, and that Trump has lost the election. Joe Biden is is going to be inaugurated as president, and I give it a 99.99% likelihood. I get I get flack from Trump supporters who insult me because of it and the left because neither seems to want to admit. Well, actually, I take that back. I think at least Trump supporters recognize they're playing to their side. The left is claiming that they're the arbiters of truth and the only real media. At the very least, what I can get from Trump supporters is acknowledgement that they are biased and that the left is and the mainstream media is putting out bad information. That being said, they still don't like me and they call me disrespectful and wrong for refusing to acknowledge that Trump actually won when I don't think he did. Now, it may be their instance of fraud. It may be their legitimate reasons to uh, uh, investigate these different states or call them into question, into question or object to them. I think most of the objections should rest on constitutional matters, notably Article 2, I believe it's Article 2 of the Constitution, in how state legislatures ultimately choose who will be their electors for or, or, or how the elections will be run and who the electors will be. That makes sense. Fraud and dominion stuff, I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. What I've heard of this leaked phone call I call into question. I think Trump is absolutely wrong, but I'm going to need the full audio. Now, a lot of people have immediately brought up Project Veritas and they say, well, what about when Project Veritas puts out jump cuts, too? And I say, yes, I've repeatedly said they should put out raw videos. What's the problem? It's an excuse. 
The left will claim, oh, but you like Veritas, but you won't support this. I'll support it insofar as it matters. It doesn't have an impact on Trump supporters view of what's going on, that Trump thinks the same thing they do. Trump asking that we want to recalculate it or change the results is obvious to everyone because Trump's been saying it for months. This isn't new information. But people are certainly losing their minds. So let's read the news and see what's going on. And I'll break down to you why exactly I, I take issue with what the Washington Post has put out. Not, not, not that I'm saying it's the worst thing in the world, like it's just garbage information. I think it confirms what we already knew about Trump's opinions. It doesn't change a whole lot. To throw it to Project Veritas, some of their recordings are of executives at major corporations who are contradicting themselves or employees contradicting themselves. Also newsworthy. I think this is newsworthy. It confirms most of what we already knew. And it's true for many of Project Veritas's videos as well. Preferably for both, I would like to see the raw audio or the raw video. But let's read the news. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you would like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. But the best thing you can do is share this video. Why? Well, I'm probably going to rag on everybody a little bit. Maybe that's what the world needs right now. If you think I'm rational and reasonable, then please consider sharing this because it's the best thing you can do to help me grow my channel, especially when YouTube is kind of not, <laughs> well, kind of suppressing content like this. But don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's read. The Washington Post reports President Trump urged fellow Republican Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, to, quote, find enough votes to overturn his defeat. In an extraordinary one hour phone call Saturday, that election expert said raised legal questions. The Washington Post obtained a recording of the conversation in which Trump alternately berated Raffensperger, tried to flatter him, begged him to act and threatened him with vague criminal consequences if the secretary of state refused to pursue his false claim. At one point, warning that Raffensperger was taking a big risk. Upon listening to the audio, it really does seem that the Washington Post is correct. And Trump does say, I mean, we can hear him say these things. I'd like to hear the full recording, but I think we know what Trump is saying. Is it a revelation to anybody that Trump is saying, you know, it could be illegal? No, he tweeted this. Lynn Wood tweeted that they, Ravensburger would be going to prison. Am I shocked to see that Trump thinks this stuff too? No. Do I think Trump is wrong? Yes. The, 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 the idea that there's some vague criminal, uh, you know, consequences for certifying a, a bad election or whatever. I mean, sure, there technically are, but proving uh, intent is going to be ridiculous. I just think Trump has incorrect information on a lot of this. And I think the, 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 the Georgia Secretary of State is also, in my opinion, got a political, uh, a political agenda, as they all do. There are establishment crony types, and there are insurgent candidates, people like Donald Trump. Georgia doesn't seem to like Trump all that much. Oh, they can claim they do, but come on. There are many things they could have done to appease Trump supporters they did not do. Now, they gave us these risk-limiting audits, which is like a half measure for what Trump supporters were asking for. Now, I do think it's also fair to point out there is probably nothing you can do in the long run to change people's minds that are tribal partisans. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. That's the bigger picture. I think even if Georgia did come out and did a full audit, like hardcore signature audit across the board and actually found chain of custody documents, apparently of which are lost, then Trump supporters would still find some reason to say, I just don't believe it because people don't trust the system anymore. There's no point in even saying or arguing when you know either side is just going to make claims and say they're right, you're wrong. 
The easiest way to exemplify this, the left routinely complains that Project Veritas takes things out of context. They say the videos are edited in such a way that it changes the meaning of things. Okay, if that's the standard by which you will assess statements from high ranking executives at tech companies and news organizations, then you should throw this story in the garbage because they have a one hour long phone call, but they didn't release it. I think I know who did leak the phone call to The Washington Post. Very obviously, Brad Raffensperger, in my opinion, was the one who did it. Why? Just listen to the audio. You can hear that Trump has a low quality sound as if he's coming from the receiver of a phone. And Brad Raffensperger's voice is clear as if he's holding a recording device up to himself or is using an internal recording device in his phone, perhaps, which is recording his audio directly. Now, Donald Trump tweeted, I spoke to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger yesterday about Fulton County and voter fraud in Georgia. He was unwilling or unable to answer questions such as the ballots under the table scam, ballot destruction, out-of-state voters, dead voters, and more. He has no clue. Raffensperger responded, respectfully, President Trump, what you are saying is not true. The truth will come out. The truth will come out. Why will the truth come out? Well, in my opinion, it's because Raffensperger is the likely culprit in leaking the audio. And probably because he believes he's right and thinks Trump is wrong. And I'll be honest, I also think after listening to at least four minutes of it, Trump actually is wrong. And you can hear it in Trump's voice. He's not all sure of himself. He says, isn't it, isn't it true that they were removing, you know, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't Dominion come in and move stuff? And another person on the call, the legal counsel says, that's not true. And he goes, you're sure about that? Yes. And that's it. I don't know in which context Trump is saying any of these things. A really good example of my issue with the recording. Trump saying, I just want to find 11,780 votes. They mention, I don't know if they mentioned in the article itself, maybe they do, that in one of the calls, they mentioned that Joe Biden won by 12,000 uh, votes. When I saw that, I was curious as to why Trump, here we go, I, I have it, let me read it. Throughout the call, Raffensperger and his office as general counsel rejected Trump's assertions, explaining that Trump is relying on debunked conspiracy theories and that President-elect Joe Biden's 12,779 vote victory in Georgia was fair and accurate. If they told him he lost by 12,000, at another point, Trump said, so look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have because we won the state. Why would Trump ask for them to find a smaller amount than by which he lost by that wouldn't change the results. Could it have something to do with maybe the Senate election race? Could it have potentially have gotten one of uh, maybe Purdue over the 50% threshold? I believe it's possible, but I think the number was actually kind of higher than that. I'd like to know the full context so I can understand why Trump was asking to find an amount of votes that would not allow him to win and how that's him claiming he wants to overturn the results of the election. Doesn't quite make sense to me. It could be that Trump is wrong, and I think he is on many points, and thus his numbers are off. Or it could be there's context missing, and we don't know exactly what Trump is talking about. I can say many things about Project Veritas. I bring them up specifically because we are dealing with a similar circumstance in which limited audio is released. There, there have been instances where I have criticized Project Veritas. That's right. They once got secret recordings of a New York Times employee who claimed he could, you know, do all these things and, you know, make all these, uh, you know, uh, push certain stories and things like that, or that YouTube would. Long story short, one of the people that Project Veritas exposed, I knew, and I am firmly of the belief this dude was just blowing smoke. 
because I know this guy. And so I said it when Project Veritas put it out. Nah, this guy was trying to talk up some girl, make it seem like he was all, you know, big and bad. And he wasn't. I have criticized Project Veritas before. Ah, but you say, but Tim, you've also used Project Veritas recordings and praised them and defended O'Keefe. That's right. You know why? Because he's quite literally doing the same thing the Washington Post just did. So I can say I'd like the full recording. I'd like to understand the context. I said the same of Veritas. And I consider them in many ways to be similar in the kind of work they do. The problem, the Washington Post will target Trump confirming our biases across the board. Project Veritas will target Google and Facebook and the Washington Post and confirm many of our biases across the board. And you need to explain to me the difference. Is it because you don't like they're targeting you? And therein lies the big problem. There are certain things I will respect about what the Washington Post does and criticize them for, and they get way more criticism than Veritas will. And it's probably because Veritas is a smaller operation, and I know that, you know, to what degree I can trust James O'Keefe's work, and I typically do. The Washington Post puts out this clip, and I can say, okay, that's fine, but they've also flat out made up stories and refused to correct stories. And I've tracked way too many bunk Washington Post stories. Case in point, the Covington kids, where they took video and audio out of context. There have been, there's an instance where I've actually directly questioned James O'Keefe. I believe we did it live on my show about a circumstance where he did seemingly take someone out of context. And he said they made a mistake. I don't want to, I don't want to put words in James's mouth, but that they should, they, you know, they, they interpreted someone's statement as his own from NPR, but that they should have been more careful with it. And so there you go. Veritas has also won all of their defamation suits. They're far from perfect. The Washington Post, far from perfect. Why are you trying to play a game now where you would defend this? More importantly, let me show you something. PolitiFact, Donald Trump and the fish food dump, how early reports got it wrong. Why, yes, even Yasher Ali, who I actually respect, I think he's a, I think he's a good dude. He says, I've deleted this tweet, which was based upon multiple news reports, but the video clearly shows Abe, uh, I'm sorry, Abe, dumping his box of food first. Should have pronounced his name right, considering I'm the one who pulled the story up. But the story is this. Donald Trump was with Shinzo Abe, and he was feeding koi fish in a koi pond. Trump is seen in a video that was edited, dumping his entire little box of food, and everyone makes fun of him. In one story, they say, big stupid baby dumps load of fish food on Japanese koi pond. The reality? In the actual video, Shinzo Abe, the Japanese prime minister, did it first. Trump followed suit. This was a deliberate, out-of-context edit. I have not seen Project Veritas do that. Now, you can question them on the NPR story where this uh, what it basically happened was you had a guy who was saying, this is what people say. James said at a certain point, what he was describing as someone else became his own opinion and that they probably should have done something different. OK, fool me once. Shame, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on you, me. But more importantly, I'm willing to give people multiple chances. In that instance, I believe perhaps they made a mistake. Okay. Since then, I think they've done a fine job. I've had some questions. I've even followed up and even there've been some of the stuff from them I didn't believe. And I challenged and I criticized. But for the most part, they are a smaller organization with a limited number of stories relative to the Washington Post. And thus they have less bad stories. The mainstream media as a whole, particularly the Washington Post, have put it too much fake news. There was one story put out by the Washington Post where they claimed famed hacker Kim.com was hacking into uh, Seth Rich's Gmail account to publish emails or whatever. 
And I said, that's fake news. And I questioned it. And six months later, they went in and secretly edited the story to put a bunch of qualifying maybe what ifs in there because their assertions were false. It actually resulted in several journalists that I reached out to retracting tweets and statements when they realized the story was completely fabricated. That's the problem with the Washington Post. It's an issue of trust. Well, let me tell you how insane everyone is. And then we'll talk about what's going on in Georgia. You see, Frank Luntz tweeted, in a recording of the conversation, Trump alternatively berated Raffensperger. Ah, yes, it's but a simple quote from the Washington Post. He says, here's the audio of Trump's call with Georgia Secretary of State. I asked him, is there a full uh, recording? That's it. Is there a full recording? And he said, if you really can't find it, you might want to remove journalist from your bio. Well, you know what? I spent a decent amount of time trying to see if there was an actual hour long conversation of this and I couldn't find it. And I have no problem admitting that. I'm actually quite good at doing research and digging into leaked recordings, and I've even had things leaked to me in the past. Why is Frank yelling at me? I simply asked if there was a full recording. My response was, what's with all the hostility? I saw your tweet, thought crazy, and then asked if there was a full recording. I'll give you the actual context of what happened. I was scrolling on Twitter, reading news. People were talking about it. I saw Frank post a clip, and I simply said, whoa, that's crazy. The things Trump's saying. I'd like to know the full context. Is there a full recording? And boom, these people explode. They don't actually care about what Trump is saying. They, we already know they don't like what Trump is saying. We already know that Trump supporters like what Trump is saying. This is completely meaningless. But it shows you that even people like Frank Luntz, these people have lost their minds. What have I, what have I said about Frank in the past? That he's been wrong on some things? That in reference to his own tweet where he said, if we get this one wrong, we need to find new professions. And I laughed and said, maybe you should. And that I said, I think he's actually pretty all right. I said the same thing about Cenk Uger of the Young Turks. When I read one of his comments, one of his articles, I said, I think he's wrong, but I think he's got a lot right in this article. So with respect, definitely good job, Cenk, on getting these things right. I disagree with you on this. This is what the world has become. That's why I'm sick of all of these people. It's not just, you know, Frank Luntz. There are people on the right as well that put out ridiculous tweets. I've criticized Candace Owens in the past for saying for agreeing with Trump. And I've criticized Trump for this when they say you should be arrested for burning the American flag. Sorry, if it's your property, you can burn it. I disagree. I've criticized a lot of these people. And there are certainly a lot of people in what's called conservative ink who jump the gun and will mock and berate the left. But I'm sick of it. You people, all these tribalists are lunatics. They're going insane. I simply asked you a question, dude. Y'all need to calm yourselves. But more importantly, I don't even care. It doesn't matter. I don't know Frank. Frank doesn't owe me any favors and he can be as mean as he wants. I just want to know why these people are such nasty pieces of garbage. Maybe it's because I call them pieces of garbage right now, huh? I don't care. I don't care. You know why? In the end, the Trump supporters will hear this and they'll say, good for Trump. The Trump haters will say, oh, no, Trump is trying to steal the election, which is what they've already been saying the whole time. Does this matter? Is this going to change anything or is this just another ridiculous uh, grain of sand on our stupid heap that's leading us to some massive unrest on January 6th? If you trust Donald Trump, you will fight for him. If you do not trust him, you will complain about him. And at this point, I used to think maybe maybe several months ago, there was at least some nuance in the discussion and people would be willing to, 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 to change their minds. I don't think so so much right now. But let me show you in Georgia. There actually is something going on. Savannah now reports, this is from December 12th, 
Georgia lawmaker calls for General Assembly, not voters, to pick secretary of state. One of Georgia's most powerful Republican lawmakers wants the GA to pick the the state's chief election official instead of voters following backlash. House Speaker David Ralston said Thursday he'll seek a constitutional amendment in the upcoming legislative session that starts next month to let state lawmakers appoint Georgia secretary of state. There are clashes. There are clashes among Republicans with Raffensperger. Raffensperger now somehow seems aligned with tribalist leftists. I think it's silly, all of it, but I can't tell you what will happen, who was right or who was wrong. There are a lot of people who are making assertions and claims, and there are thousands of sworn affidavits. There's not been an actual court process by which the evidence has been reviewed for the most part. There have been some bits of evidence reviewed, but most of these court cases have been rejected on procedural grounds. I believe the Georgia state legislature, the General Assembly, wanted to call a special session, and Brian uh, Kemp, the governor, refused to do it. This has been this has been true for many states where Republicans have been calling for special sessions to challenge the results. It is a constitutional process. The process by which we are going through now with people like Frank and many others losing their minds and just being tribalist lunatics just says to me that there's no way we escape this without some kind of conflict. Sorry, not interested in hearing your arguments because I just think it's here. I'll go back to my point about Jenk. What have I what have, what have, what, have, what have I said about the guy? I did, an, I, I did a video about one of his articles on the three different Americas. You've got the populist left, the populist right, and the establishment. Now, he believes the populist right have gone insane, uh, that they, they don't listen to reason, and that they're all cultists. Well, you're lumping every single Trump voter in with his most die-hard supporters, which definitely get a little kooky and crazy, many of which do behave like cultists. Mostly the Q people who believe really insane stuff and people who follow Lynn Wood. That dude snapped off. Even his former client, Nick Sandman, I believe it was his client, said that it was a dumb tweet. Nick Sandman is an ardent Trump supporter who was was defend who received tons of defense from Trump supporters, and even he's calling it out. So you can't do that, Cenk. But in that in that article, I defended that he was right about these three different Americas, that you've got a populist left, populist right in the establishment. Why then would he come out with Anna Kasparian and just crap all over me and take things I said out of context to try and make some kind of rage bait drama content? Because this is what you get from tribal partisans. They desperately want me to fit that mold, but I don't and I don't care. Maybe I'm one of the only people who doesn't. There's probably a small handful of people. It's the it's the it's the disaffected left, disaffected liberals, moderates and conservatives and many Trump supporters. That's the big problem. Why I think Jenk is wrong in his article that most of the people on the right, the overwhelming majority are probably saying Linwood's nuts. I did a video about it. I think I got like 12 percent thumbs down. Well, there you go. You can see how many ardent Trump supporters are following those videos and don't like me criticizing the guy who's saying insane things like Mike Pence is going to get arrested and charged with treason or something. That's ridiculous. Now, I don't think Trump is going to win. And I'm not saying that it's an electoral issue. I'm saying it's culture war. The culture war has come from the ground several years ago and reached the highest levels of politics. And here we are. The left and the right don't care. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. They just don't care. The right will say, you know what? We don't care. We're not going to we're not going to walk away from this. So where do you think this all goes? It crashes into itself. Twelve GOP senators challenging uh, set to object. One hundred and forty Republicans in the House set to object. Where's where's AOC challenging Pelosi? Sorry, she's come out and said straight up she won't because the progressives won't do it. So what do we have? The populist right is certainly stronger than the populist left. 
The establishment Democrats have used the populist left for gain. The establishment Democrats includes people like Frank Luntz and never Trump or Republicans. These are the people that are coming together, a bipartisan group of senators saying the election is over. This includes Susan Collins, Bill Cassidy, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Joe Manchin, Mark Warner, Gina Sheehan, Maggie Hassan, Dick Durbin, and Angus King. Quote, at this point, further attempts to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election are contrary to the clearly expressed will of the American people and only serve to undermine Americans' confidence in the already determined election results. The voters have spoken, and Congress must now fulfill its responsibility to certify the election results. It is time to move forward. Many leftists, far leftists, want Biden to win. Why? It's really, really easy to control him. He's an old, feeble man. They can't defeat Trump. But more importantly, I think many of them know strategically they need Trump's populist right in the out group. With Trump having control of the executive branch to a certain degree, it's been rather ineffective in a lot of ways. And the, and the elites have been fighting against him. It gives legitimacy to Trump, uh, Trump supporters and right wing populists. It gives them a claim to the government. We're in. We and, and, and by uh, thus, we will support many aspects of the system. The far left knows with the establishment in play, Trump supporters will reject them. And that's what we saw the other day when I did a segment about Trump supporters stomping on the thin blue line flag because the police don't care about the Trump supporters. They don't care about who support them. They care about their paycheck at a time of a major national crisis, an economic one manufactured by many politicians. These cops don't want to lose their paycheck. Now, Trump supporters are on the short end of the, are, 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 well, they're getting the, the hard end of that stick, the truncheon from the police. Everything Antifa probably could have uh, wanted, or I should say everything they do want. Populist right now at odds with the police. We've already seen the videos of Antifa and Boogaloo boys shaking hands. So here we are witnessing Pelosi's home and McConnell's home being vandalized. Two elements of the establishment being attacked. There's also reports that Pelosi and McConnell are working out a way to stop the objection to Joe Biden's victory because they want the White House. The establishment does, whether it's Republicans or Democrats. Trump will be on the out. The far left knows, and they've said it. It's all over Twitter. It's easier to remove a feeble old man than a fascist. That's why they don't want Trump in. They'll still fight with Trump supporters and Proud Boys, and they'll still demonize them. But what happens when many of these far leftists realize AOC and Ilhan Omar are going to fight for you? They're going to back the system. Rashida Tlaib was one of the only Democrats to reject the omnibus, her along with Tulsi Gabbard. The rest of the squad just went along with it. Same is true for most of the Republicans. Now, there were substantially more Republicans who rejected it, but I digress. The establishment is strong. The populist right is stronger than the populist left in government. But will it really matter when Joe Biden is inaugurated as president? And I think he will be because you are talking about Donald Trump, just himself and his supporters going up against the establishment, which includes many senators on both sides. It includes Mitch McConnell. You need a majority of the of the Senate to uh, uh, to uphold the objections to allow Trump to win. But we've already seen many Republicans saying no, like anyone thought Murkowski or, or Romney was going to be supporting Trump in this. And then, of course, you have many of the Republican reps. The GOP is being split in half, fractured in many ways, much like we saw with the Democrats and the progressives. 
The good news for the Democrats, though, is that the progressives have fallen in line and are now standing up right behind Nancy Pelosi. To, well, I'll keep it family friendly this time. They're standing right behind Nancy Pelosi doing what she wants, defending the establishment. And so are many of these faux progressives. So are many of these hostile tribalists. In the end, it does not matter if audio from Trump is leaked. No one will care. And why should I? What I'm hearing from Trump doesn't change my opinion. I knew Trump thought this. We've heard him tweet it. He said it before. What a stupid waste of time from stupid people who are going insane. I'll tell you what. Release the full audio. Let's listen to it. In the end, it doesn't matter. You've got despotic Democrats and authoritarian leftists. And they're they're. I love it. Defending massive multinational corporations. And the only thing they can say against me is tribalist garbage nonsense. In fact, that's the best they can pull off. Like these, 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 uh, like I mentioned with Jenk and Anna taking an out of context clip, claiming that I was mocking nurses for dancing to celebrate the vaccine. No, I was criticizing nurses and doctors for dancing in hospitals while people were begging them to, to see them, which is a viral YouTube video, and while people are mourning the dead. That was my criticism. Not sure uh, what about that you're okay with, but they certainly took what I said out of context and called me a right winger because they, they, they thrive off of drama garbage content. No one really cared, though. It's the strangest thing to me. I don't, I, I don't care. I really, really don't. I have my opinions. I'll keep having my opinions. I got no problem making a video saying Linwood has gone nuts or criticizing Sidney Powell. Even after Fox News got destroyed and Trump supporters stopped watching because Tucker Carlson criticized Sidney Powell. What did I do? I kept criticizing Sidney Powell. If you don't like what I have to say, then don't listen to it. And if that puts me in the poorhouse, so be it. I'm sick of all of this. I'll leave you with this. Trump supporters tend to be on the right side of things. Not always, not completely, especially not now backing the, the, the absurd tweets of Lynn Wood. And we're even seeing Trump supporters reject that. Like I said, the amount of crazy cult-like Trump supporters that, that exist is a lot, but not nearly the majority or, or even anywhere near the majority. The overwhelming majority of Trump supporters are like regular Americans. That's it. Now, the left will tell you they're cultists because they need to fight for power and convince people to join them. I don't know what's going to happen on the six, but it's going to get stupid and it's going to get crazy. And everyone's already decided where they stand. That's true. Maybe there will be some defections from people who get scared. That's the only real way I see people switching sides. They stop and think, oh, no, but what if the left wins? Then all of a sudden you see these YouTubers who are like right wing become left wing, worried about maybe getting banned and what happens when the Democrats and the establishment actually take over. I don't care. I really don't. I think Trump is going to lose. I think I think he's lost. I think Joe Biden will be inaugurated and we'll see what happens. I don't think that Trump has any institutional support and there's no political willpower among Republicans to actually fight back. And Republicans don't fight for the American people anyway, nor have they. And I've routinely said I don't like McConnell or Lindsey Graham. Not that I like Nancy Pelosi, but I've defended her more than I've defended McConnell or Graham in the past, mostly because she was fighting back against the squad who were asking for crazy things. At this point, everybody's kind of lost the plot. And what I'll tell you is I'll stand for the Constitution. I will defend it. I will defend it to the best of my abilities. I will I will also defend reasonable opinions from the Supreme Court that many people don't like as it pertains to, to the Constitution. But I won't sit back and just say that these Democratic politicians can trample all over our rights and then sit here and pretend like these leaked recordings are in any way a revelation to anyone. Calm down. Y'all are crazy. But you know what? They're not going to listen to me. And I don't care if they do or they don't. That's why I moved out to the middle of nowhere. Why? 
I believe everyone's, for the most part, chosen their tribe and they're going to go crazy. I guess there's a bunch of normies who don't want to be involved as per usual in any conflict. And we'll see how that plays out. But I'll leave it there. I don't know what's to come. But I but I feel right now with the Constitution being crapped all over with grifter leftists taking quotes from me out of context uh, out of context for the sake of just making money as an authoritarian jackboot corporate fascistic state takes over and they defend it. Sounds great. Antifa. Keep defending your massive multinational corporations that have merged with government interests and I'll keep criticizing them. It's funny. I've had a bunch of articles call me a leftist for being anti-corporatist. And then the Young Turks call me right wing because they're just trying to grift for drama content. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see uh, at 10 a.m. at YouTube.com slash Timcast News, a different channel. I'll see y'all then. On January 6th, About 12 Senate Republicans and 140 members of the House are set to object to the Electoral College vote count, particularly calling out several states where governors or courts changed the rules of elections in violation of the Constitution. The Constitution states that the state legislatures have final say in how electors are appointed. In many states, the rules were changed by governors or courts, thus there are now a grow, there's a growing list of Republicans who say they're going to object. The latest revelation, the most breaking news out of all of this. And now, of course, we've seen a ton of Republicans in the House support the measure. And it makes sense because these, these members of Congress represent specific districts. And many of these districts are deep red and all in for Trump. For the Senate, it's different because these races are often much closer. Not always. Some of these states, states are deep red. But we are we were waiting to see if members of the Senate were going to stand up and actually support an objection. And now we, we have our answer. Twelve Republican senators. Interestingly, Mike Pence has publicly supported Ted Cruz's effort. Now, Ted Cruz is leading about 10 other Republicans. Josh Hawley himself has also said he will object. So you get 12 senators there. But my friends, January 6th, something else is going to be happening. Donald Trump has now repeatedly tweeted for people to show up to Washington, D.C. for what could be the biggest political rally in history. Will it be? I don't know. Um, I, I, I can't really tell you because let, let, let me tell you what I'm, what I'm thinking right now. First, this is Trump's last constitutional stand for the most part. I mean, they could theoretically try to delay, but this is the last day by which Trump could find a constitutional process to stay as president. So there's a lot of incentive for Trump supporters to be there, especially with Trump saying it could be the biggest political rally in history or whatever. So possibly. But you got to understand something. You know, when Trump got elected, when he was being inaugurated, there wasn't that big of a crowd. And everyone said, look how big Obama's crowd was. Trump's wasn't that big. Trump's was, was decently large, but online viewership was massive. You see, the thing is, many of Trump supporters they, li- they live all over the country. You've got red states, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the urban uh, leftists call them flyover states. These people live very far away from D.C. I'm sure I'd be willing to bet many of the people, maybe the overwhelming majority of those who attended Obama's inauguration lived within a couple hours of D.C., all of these major blue cities and had no problem driving down or even just people who live in D.C. showing up because they live there. 
These people aren't going to show up for Trump. There was some like viral video moment where Trump goes to a baseball game in D.C. and he got booed. And it's like, yeah, he's in deep blue territory. It's all Democrat. Of course they're booing him. For Donald Trump's inauguration, Trump supporters didn't see a reason to fly out to D.C. to support the man. Why? He won. He's president. He's being sworn in. And you can watch online. Well, now something different is happening. Trump is losing. Uh, Trump has lost most of like every step of the constitutional process all along the way. Now, some people are alleging widespread fraud and others are alleging a violation of constitutional processes. Now, Trump supporters have a real reason to be in Washington, D.C. If they don't, well, that's it. Welcome to a Joe Biden presidency. And I love it. You know, uh, buildbackbetter.gov, Joe Biden's slogan. Funny. It's the same slogan as many of these other European countries. And now we have a .gov for it. Just a little weird. I mean, at the very least, I'm not surprised Joe Biden's plagiarizing. I'll put it that way. But it really does seem like Joe Biden is not uh, beholden to the American people. He's long story short, you've heard me say it a million times, but he flew his son on Air Force Two to China for a private equity deal to negotiate a private equity. deal. How does that make sense? This guy's going to be president. Trump supporters have one last chance for a constitutional victory. After that, it's just the only look after the sixth. If Trump doesn't score some kind of constitutional victory, then what's what's the alternative? Uh, Trump loses unless, of course, people start, start taking more drastic action. But let me tell you something. I've been seeing these uh, these memes. Uh, I don't know if they're memes, but I've been seeing these viral tweets. People saying flights into D.C. are sold out. And I said, that's not possible. OK, look, I've, I've I used to fly twice a week and you could always find a flight somewhere. Now, a lot of flights often do get sold out. It happens, but there is always some flight to get you in. So I looked and I grabbed a bunch of random cities, and uh, surprise, surprise, I can. I think it can, it can be explained. There are. are I, I chose a bunch of different random cities. I chose direct flights from places like you know in Texas and in Illinois and in New York to Washington D.C. Surprisingly, like even even blue blue states. Surprisingly, yeah, mostly sold out, gone, not available. There's like m- most of these cities I searched. You can find linear air taxis like $3,000 for a private flight. And that seems kind of crazy to me. So I'm thinking, is it is it true that all of these Trump supporters have just bought out all the tickets and are descending upon DC? Yes, I think there's going to be a, a strong likelihood for a massive, and I mean massive, event. However, keep in mind, uh, I'm seeing this about air- airlines, but uh, airline traffic has been way down because of COVID. So it may just be that they've reduced the number of flights. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, I'll tell you, it, it, it maybe they reduced the flights. But even if they did, all of these flights being sold out, at least many of them, says, I think we'll get a decent sized rally. But again, I'll put it this way. Will Trump supporters actually travel from all over the country to be there for the president? They have a real reason to be much more of a reason than on uh, Inauguration Day. But it doesn't mean they will. I would lean more towards they probably will because Trump supporters are here for Trump and nobody else, not the Republican Party. Now, what we're seeing from Ted Cruz is interesting. Apparently, what he wants is like a 10 day investigation over impropriety in many states. Trump supporters are concerned. They say if we don't get resolution on the 6th, they're going to try and wait out the clock so that 10 days goes by. All the Trump supporters leave D.C. and then Biden wins. 
Sorry, nothing to do, nothing to see here, nothing to do. So they're trying to wait out the clock. And that makes sense. It's a smart play if that is the case. Tell them you're on their side, hold an investigation, throw them some red meat, then draw out the clock until they get tired and go home. Well, here's the story from Politico. They say nearly a quarter of Senate Republicans are officially preparing to challenge President-elect Joe Biden's Electoral College win on January 6th, a stunning development that demonstrates just how far some in the GOP will go to align themselves with President Donald Trump's flailing claims that the election was stolen from him. Now, hold on there a minute, partner. We've got legitimate claims, sworn affidavits from, I think now, thousands of people. We have legitimate evidence. It needs to be presented in a legal setting. Now, we keep seeing from the left, it's mind boggling. There's no evidence. All of the courts have said so. No, they didn't. The Texas case was thrown out on procedural grounds. There are some cases. So uh, in Pennsylvania, the court said, I see what you're saying about, you know, voters, not uh, observers not being allowed in. I disagree. I thought the ruling was insane. They appealed it. They lost. Most of the cases have been shot down on procedural grounds. No standing, latches, meaning you didn't file in a timely manner, or it's too, you know, it's, it's too soon, it's too late, or you can't sue. Standing. So Louis Gohmert, a rep, said he's suing. He sued Mike Pence over this law. It got shot down. It break, the, 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 the developing news is that it got rejected by a federal uh, appeals court as well. Maybe he'll push to the Supreme Court. And they basically said, you, you, you can't, Mike Pence can't be the one who just decides effectively. But, uh, but I digress. For the most part, it was procedural grounds. Once again, Louis Gohmert was rejected on standing. You do not have standing. Uh, long story, uh, just to simply explain standing. If I threw a, a pie in your face, then your neighbor can't sue me because he's not the injured party. Anyway, let's read more and see what's going on. They say, 11 more Republican senators announced Saturday they will challenge Biden's election victory next week when Congress gathers to certify the vote. The movement is led by Ted Cruz, who circulated the idea among Senate Republicans of voting against certification of the certification of the election unless there's an election audit. We intend to vote on January 6th to reject the electors from disputed states and not regularly given and lawfully certified unless and until that emergency 10-day audit is completed. That makes no sense. Well, it makes a little sense. I get it. How about we have the actual investigation so people can, you know, hear what's going on and then, you know, we'll make our decisions after the fact. The problem is Trump supporters have been through what? What are we on now? Uh, almost two months. Yeah, just, just two months now of looking at evidence, hearing claims, hearing witness testimony, and they're fed up. And this is the best Ted Cruz can offer. Sorry, you can you can cheer and, and, and be happy that he's doing it. But I think what the Republican establishment is trying to do is appease, placate, calm down. We're here for you. We'll give you what you want. And then, yeah, 10 days later, they're going to be like, bye bye, Biden's president. You're not going to get what you want. So let me tell you something. When the left says there's no evidence, the courts have already seen it. What a waste of time. They're, you're wrong. The, the courts, like I mentioned, threw things out on procedural grounds, but it doesn't matter. There is nothing you can say to people who are lying because they want to win. And that goes for Republicans or Democrats. You can't say anything to these people. When there, there is evidence, it's a fact. Even Bill Barr said it happens all the time. It's just an issue of whether or not there was enough to impact an election. And he doesn't think there is. 
Now you have people saying no evidence. I tell you, when they say no evidence, you know right away they're lying because absolutes tend to be ridiculous. You see what I did there? Tend to be absolute. No. Oh, come on, dude. There's at least some. A Trump supporter got arrested for voting twice. There's a viral video of a Trump supporter saying they got caught voting twice. It happens. Everyone. I think even Project Veritas caught a guy who voted for the Republican twice. And then they say, oh, but Veritas is biased. No, you're just in control of cultural institutions. No evidence is an insane lie. These people are lying. Why? Because if you actually come out and say, here's the evidence, interesting, then it warrants an investigation. It doesn't confirm anything, but they don't want to do it. And then I have to wonder why they're trying to avoid transparency. My favorite, my favorite tweets. Let me show you this tweet. Let me show you how much I just love all this. Okay, so no, 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 that's not, that's the wrong one, but it's still funny anyway. In, uh, in response to the rejection of Louis Gohmert's uh, lawsuit, Jim Roberts says, after a U.S. judge rejects his ridiculous case to disenfranchise Biden voters, Louis Gohmert suggests that Trump supporters will result to street violence. That's not true. He said the only answer is to be as violent as BLM and Antifa. But those were peaceful protests, remember? <laughs> so this is the wrong tweet. I didn't, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to pull it up. But let me, let me pull up some tweets from some politicians. Senator Pat Toomey said a fundamental defining feature of a democratic republic is the right of the people to elect their own leaders. The efforts by Senators Hawley, Cruz, and others to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in swing states like Pennsylvania directly undermines this right. The senators justify their intent by observing that there have been many allegations of fraud. But allegations of fraud by a losing campaign cannot justify overturning an election. Okay, allegations of fraud should be investigated. And if evidence emerges, then you can. Okay. They fail to acknowledge that these allegations have been adjudicated in courtrooms across America and were found to be unsupported by evidence. False. That's wrong. That's that's actually not many of the cases, like I said, thrown out on procedural grounds. He says President Trump's own attorney, Bill Barr, says we have not seen fraud on a scale. You see, now, hold on a minute. Didn't he just say unsupported by evidence? But then he quotes Bill Barr, who actually said there was fraud. Mm, amazing. I acknowledge that this past election, like all elections, had irregularities. But the evidence is overwhelming that Joe Biden won the election. His narrow victory in Pennsylvania is easily explained by the decline in suburban support for President Trump and the president's slightly smaller victory margins in most rural counties. That's actually a fair point. He says, I voted for President Trump and endorsed him for re-election, but on Wednesday intend to vigorously defend our form of government by opposing this effort to disenfranchise millions of voters in my state and others. Okay, Pat, you want to talk about a key defining feature of a democratic republic. How about I quote that famous Ben Franklin statement? I think it was Ben Franklin, or it could be apocryphal, but either I, I digress. Democracy is two wolves and a lamb deciding what's for lunch. A republic is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. You want to talk about a democratic republic? Let's talk about what's in the Constitution, the ability of representatives, politicians, senators to object to the vote count. They have a right to do it, period. Oh, but there's more. I love it. We have Alan Ellison for U.S. Senate. Now, he is uh, retire Rubio for Florida, he says. He tweeted, sedition is a serious felony punishable by fines and up to 20 years in prison. And it refers to the act of inciting revolt or violence against a lawful authority with the goal of destroying or overthrowing it. The actions of the Sedition 126 and GOP senators have reached felony status. Felony status, my stars and garters. 
My friends, I'd like to show you the most feckless politician we have in this country, Lisa Murkowski. Ah, yes, a Republican who doesn't want to be reelected. She said, my statement regarding the upcoming meeting of Congress to formally count the votes of the Electoral College and certify the 2020 election. Quote, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, and that is what I will do on January 6th, just as I strive to do every day as I serve the people of Alaska. I will vote to affirm the 2020 presidential election. The courts and state legislatures have all honored their duty to hear legal allegations and have found nothing to warrant overturning the results. Whoa! Arizona's state legislature filed subpoenas, a judiciary committee, against Maricopa County, and then Maricopa County said, F you, we'll see you in court. We won't comply. What do you mean? The courts and state legislatures. These people are lying. You can say Arizona's wrong. You can say they don't have a majority in the state legislature. You can say that Pennsylvania and Georgia don't either, but they haven't even had sessions to address any of this because the governors would have to call special sessions and they did not. Disgusting spinelessness. And I'll tell you this, I swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. Well, then you would know that the Constitution has amendments in it, one of which says you can object. So everything we're seeing right now with the Republicans saying they will object is absolutely constitutional. And if you want to uphold the Constitution and one person says I object and one of one person in the Senate and the House say they object, then you say, OK, I accept your objection because I defend the Constitution. But Murkowski is lying because she is another swamp creature, surprisingly coming from Alaska, which I'm not sure actually has many swamps. It might. I don't know. Figured it was more of a cold uh, rainforesty climate. Oh, I'll tell you a funny story, too. Yes, Alaska has rainforests. Calm down. A lot of people. <laughs> I got into an argument with a teacher once. Funny story. But yes, it's, it's rainy up there. So uh, uh, well, she's a rainforest monster. Whatever. She lives in the swamp now. She says they have found nothing to warrant overturning the results. I urge my colleagues from both parties to recognize and to join me in maintaining confidence in the Electoral College and our elections so that we ensure we have the continued trust of the American people. Are you kidding me? You have no trust from me. If you came out and said there have been many allegations by many individuals and thousands of affidavits, while I personally do not believe this warrants overturning an election, I must respect the constitutional process by which objectors object and we debate the issue. That's what she should have said. But she is spineless. So you know what the best part is? She said in there, I urge my colleagues on both parties. So now the Democrats are ripping her to shreds saying, you spineless scum, how dare you impugn our honor? We're the ones defending an honorable election. And the Republicans are like, what? (laughs) Defend the Constitution and support the right of the objectors. Man, I tell you, this country has too many spineless losers in it. Murkowski's issue is that she's worried about some kind of balance. How about you worry about principle and what is factually true and correct and what is true and correct, even when she mentions that there have been, you know, court litigation or whatever. There is evidence. It can be heard. It doesn't mean it's true. Does not matter? There is a constitutional right by which people can object. That's the name of the game, man. Politicians are all mostly spineless. And now you've got President Pelosi trending. Okay, fine, whatever. That's the idea, I guess, that if there's an objection and Trump and Biden don't win, that Pelosi somehow becomes president. Well, if they don't resolve it by the 20th, yes, that is likely going to be the case. If Nancy Pelosi wins the speakership today, 
So the 117th Congress is being sworn in today. My understanding is that they're going to vote. And the pathetic and spineless faux progressives who purport to be populists are going to line up to sniff the butt of Pelosi to make her Speaker of the House once again. And there's very few people who would actually stand up to the Democratic establishment to fight for what they believe in. And unfortunately, the, 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 I'll tell you this. What's fascinating right now is that on the right, it's, it's Trump or nothing. I mean, you've got crony establishment Republican types who rag on Trump all the time. You've got never Trumpers for sure, but they're in the minority. The Republican Party is the party of Trump, so they will defend him. On the, and so what you'll end up with is a lot of populist conservatives defending the president and populist right wing policies. On the left, you have populists, but because they're collectivists, they align themselves with the fake. You know, it's it's like the uh, what's a good example? It's, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the what's the Alice in Wonderland thing? The walrus and the carpenter dancing the little oysters and then killing them all and eating them. They, they dance and the oysters dance around with them and follow them and then get eaten or whatever. That's what you have with some of these progressive YouTubers, large channels that make rage bait drama content, where instead of talking about, say, Lisa Murkowski, who's a senator affecting the outcomes of the presidential election, they'll talk about me, some dude in his room, you know, I was like, congratulations. That's the kind of stuff people care about, I suppose. But they have a lot of people that are high profile progressives who say whatever the establishment wants, and they are going to line up to sniff the butt of Nancy Pelosi and give her whatever she wants. Why? Because they're losers, because they're spineless. Take a look at this. Let me tell you something. Mitch McConnell said, don't you do it. Don't you object. And a bunch of Republicans were like, nah, we're going to do it anyway. 140. What are they saying? 140. 140 Republicans are expected to challenge the the, the, uh, results. This is from Forbes. 140 members of the House are telling party leadership Bye bye. Now, I guess, you know, you got Kevin McCarthy, minority uh, minority leader in the in the House is saying he's going to object or probably will anyway. So sure. Take a look at the progressives. Are they standing up for progressive values? Are the progressives in Congress saying that they are going to challenge Pelosi unless they get a floor vote on Medicare for all? No, they're saying now's not the right time. Don't help the Republicans. Oh, so while the Republicans, not all of them, many of them are losers, while the Republicans are at least realizing it's Trump or nothing, you've got progressives like AOC saying she can't. It's not the right time. She won't challenge Pelosi. Oh, careerism. You know, there are many new incoming Republicans in the in the House that are saying outright they're going to defend Trump, screw the swamp, drain it all and who will call out Mitch McConnell with no problem. It's not so true with the Senate, you know, but there are at least senators willing to object and defy Mitch McConnell. Where are the progressive leftists? Where are the left wing progressives in Congress? Any any one of them. I think there's what, like 12 now? Any one of them. They need only, I think, like 10 votes to force a floor vote on Medicare for all. And they won't do it. Maybe they will. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe later today we see it. And then, you know, then I apologize. Wow. But based on what they've been tweeting and based on the fact that you have high profile progressives who are lying, who are saying, don't challenge Pelosi. Now is not the time. Oh, if not now, then when? When? When you have no leverage and she's speaker? Pathetic. You know, Trump supporters are willing to fight for what they care about. 
Antifa is willing to fight for what they care about. Progressive Democrats roll over faster than, well, I don't have an allergy, but they roll over very quickly and they get support from their faux establishment, you know, faux, I'm sorry, faux, faux progressive establishment pundits. So what can we expect? Spicy mass protests? Probably. I guess, uh, you know, they're saying they're going to be locking down DC, but I plan on being there. As of right now, I do. We've got a bunch of new equipment, so we can probably do the show from DC. We'll see how things work out. We got to do a test run, and that should be soon. And uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking with or without uh, the capability to do a show, I'll forego it and just be down there to see what's going on. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Happening again. CCP-style lockdown in Jinzhou, Dalian, China. CCP virus, tweets Jennifer Zhang. In a video, you see what appears to be four men, three up against a door, and they're reportedly welding the door shut. It looks like they're actually doing that. But to be fair, I don't know exactly where this video is from. I don't know what these men are doing. But we have already seen the videos of authorities in China dragging people from their homes, propping up gigantic steel bars to block the doors. They put up against a door and a wall so you can't open the door. And there have been numerous reports about people being welded into their homes throughout the past year. We're seeing it again. Now, I know a lot of people have, uh, are saying, yeah, well, you know, that's China. They're authoritarian. And many people have pointed out the reason China had big marathons with people all shoulder to shoulder and why they had big raves on New Year's Eve is because they're authoritarian and they can lock you in your home until you die. And then everyone else gets to go and party. They claim that it's only China that's like this. Certainly, the West is more about freedom. And even Fauci, Dr. Fauci himself said, you know, America has got that. We got that independent spirit, but it's time to do what you're told, he said. It's time to do what you're told. It's coming. I did a segment on this, this assembly bill. I, I, I mentioned it in one of my segments, but I decided based on how, how much traction it's getting and, and the concerns people have, that it needs a, a longer segment unto itself. So I can explain to you, it's not martial law. Martial law means military law. It's when the military comes in and takes over. But colloquially, people use martial law to reference a totalitarian lockdown. That's the fair assessment of what people are saying when they say martial law. We're currently in a totalitarian lockdown. And how do you know? When your constitutional rights are being trampled over and violated in the name of some public emergency, there will always be an emergency. We have to balance individual freedoms with what that emergency is. During the Civil War, we had our freedoms curtailed. Abraham Lincoln was very serious about stomping all over constitutional rights. People look back, though, and they say that he did basically a good job. He's one of the greatest presidents in American history by most people's standard or opinion. During World War I and World War II, uh, we had conscription. We had people who had to go fight in the war for a variety of reasons. World War II, people look back and say, you know, it was really important that the U.S. came in and shut down Nazi Germany. When there are real emergencies, there are real reasons why we have to step up to the plate. Right now, we do have a real emergency. I mean, COVID is killing people. I know most of the deaths are over a certain age group and they have comorbidities, but nonetheless, people are dying. But the question is, does the cure fit 
the, the emergency? Does, are the actions taken by, say, New York and California, does that, is it appropriate for the current state of emergency? And the answer is overwhelmingly no. We are putting people at extreme risk, destroying their lives, destroying their businesses, destroying their, their, uh, their families, taking away their ability to eat. And even the left agrees that it's not sustainable unless we get some kind of support. But what the left doesn't understand is that if people don't make stuff, you can't buy stuff. I don't know where they think they're going to where, where they're going to get their food. Mitch McConnell can finally agree on two thousand dollars. What are you going to do? Eat the stimulus check? Sorry. If there's no one working, there is no food right now. There is food. A lot of the stuff that's not being produced are services and, you know, higher, higher end luxury gear and stuff. And there are a lot of restaurants that have been shut down, but general food production is being maintained, not nearly at the levels it once was. Now, there's a, a positive, I guess, to this in that, you know, we as humans, we waste a lot of our time and energy on useless things. The problem is, however, that people aren't getting access to food. They can't pay their rent and it's causing a massive collapse. But I digress. The real issue, in my opinion, is that uh, authoritarianism is here. It's going to get worse. And under Joe Biden, I would be willing to make a strong bet. It is going to be worse than you've ever seen, which is why I showed you the video of people welding doors shut. I'd like to introduce you, for those that don't know, to Assembly Bill A416 relates to the removal of cases, contacts and carriers of communicable diseases who are potentially dangerous to public health. I'll give you the short version for those that are just tuning in and just want to get a quick answer. It means if the governor or some state level administrator believes that you might be at some point a danger to public health, they can remove and detain you until a doctor deems you to not be dangerous. Any communicable disease, any may be a danger, not is, not are, may be. And it refers to groups of people. They can remove you for no statutorily legal reason in total violation of the Constitution. So here is a, uh, I guess, a worst case scenario. You're at your home. You've ordered something off of Amazon. The box comes. You walk outside. There it is on your porch. Contactless delivery. You pick it up. You break it up, break it open. And there it is. It's your zucchini noodler. You ever see one of those things with the zucchini on it? And then you crank the wheel and it turns into like zucchini noodles. I love those things. But then you get a, a, a knock on the door. Turns out the Amazon driver is feeling a bit sick, has a fever, in fact. And you came into contact with a physical object for which this person was carrying only moments earlier. Why, you may be a danger to public health if it turns out you get COVID. Sir, you're going to have to come with us and step inside the vehicle. We're going to bring you to a facility to make sure, uh, keep you under observation, to make sure that you aren't, in fact, a danger to anyone. And until a doctor determines that you are no longer a danger, then you will be detained. Now, I understand that you might not be sick now, but there is a two-week coronavirus incubation period. So please, sir, step in the vehicle. This is all for, for your safety and the safety of others. Then you arrive at your new medical facility and the doctor says, look, we're here for you. Don't worry. We're going to keep you here for observation and everything will be okay." But two weeks go by and the doctor says, you know, we had an outbreak in this ward and you may still be infected. We're going to need to run some tests and keep you here a bit longer because until we determine that it's safe for you to leave, we can't allow it. 
And many of you may, may not realize this, but hospitals, medical facilities, actually a, a prime location for catching infections. But let me show you Assembly Bill A416. And then I want to show you the stories that are happening here in the US. I want to show you what's happening in the UK and uh, in Canada. And I want you to realize you're, you, you, you <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you the pirates of the Caribbean line. You best start believing in authoritarian dystopian stories. You're in one. Here's Assembly Bill A416. Now, look, this is in the New York Senate, introduced in committee, but it's not gone anywhere and it may be thrown out, okay? But let me read this for you. They say, an act to amend the public health law in relation to the removal of cases, contacts, and carriers of communicable diseases who are potentially dangerous to the public health. Potentially dangerous. The people of the state of New York represent, represented in Senate and Assembly do an act as follows. They say, removal and detention of cases, contacts, and carriers who are or may be a danger to public health. One, the provisions of this section shall be utilized in the event that the governor declares a state of health emergency due to an epidemic of any communicable disease. What if there's an epidemic of the common cold, huh? Upon determining by clear and convincing evidence that the health of others is or may be endangered by a case, contact, or carrier, or suspected case, contact, or carrier of a contagious disease, that in the opinion of the governor, after consultation with the commissioner, may pose an imminent and significant threat to the public health resulting in severe morbidity or high mortality, the government or his or her delegate, including but not limited to the commissioner or the heads of local health departments, may order the removal and or detention of such a person or a group of such persons by issuing a single order, identifying such persons either by name or by reasonably specific description of the individuals or group being detained. Such person or group of persons shall be detained in a medical facility or other appropriate facility or premises de designated by the governor or his or her delegee and complying with subdivision five of the section. A person or group removed or detained by this order or by his or her delegee pursuant to subdivision to the section shall be detained for such a period and in such a matter as the department may direct in accordance with this section. They say a confirmed case or carrier who is detained pursuant to the subdivision uh, pursuant to subdivision two of the section shall not continue to be detained after the department determines that such person is no longer contagious. No longer contagious. What does that mean? Well, let me let me go back to explain something for you. They say a suspected case contact or carrier, a suspected contact. What does it mean? It means they can say you're not sick. You're you have normal temperature. You we, we did a, a test and found that you do not test positive for covid, but you may have come into contact with someone we suspect. Step in the vehicle, sir. This is for your own good. Did you think there would be no excuse? I say I say it quite a bit, but did you think that they would just decide to take over when authoritarianism came? And my question is for the left. They say, but these states, Tim, are just trying to slow the spread. That's what they said. When I said your constitutional rights are being trampled on. We are a country founded upon a constitution. It doesn't matter if you like or don't like it. That is the su supreme law of the land. You don't just get to ignore it. But we're here. There are reports coming out now that the inaugural parade has been canceled. It really does feel like the United States is already gone, doesn't it? I mean, 
Trump and uh, 12 senators and 140 uh, congressmen in the, in the House are set, to, are, are, well, Trump is absolutely objecting to the results of the election. This large group is as well. But then you have fractured political bodies. You know, you've got some Republican establishment, some Democrat establishment just saying, bend your goddamn knees. Just do it. Shut your mouth. Do as you're told. Get in the vehicle. You may be contagious. We need to call this out before it becomes law. This right here is a psychotic piece of legislation. I am reading to you from nysenate.gov. It's insane. But here it is. Will the left come out and say we should not allow the government to arbitrarily remove someone? Let me read some more for you. They say a suspected case. This is, section, uh, this is for section four, subsection B. A suspected case or suspected carrier who is detained pursuant to subdivision two of the section shall not continue to be detained after the department determines with the exercise of due diligence that such person is not infected with or has not been exposed to such a disease or if infected with or exposed to such a disease no longer is or will become contagious. Now, of course, they're going to include in this certain things like, oh, if we find out you don't have the disease and you're not contagious, we'll let you go. But keep in mind what they said earlier. They can detain you if they suspect you of having contact with someone. And we also know that these PCR tests, wildly inaccurate. That's not even debated. That's a fact. You would need probably a blood test and antibody test. And if they're just doing PCR tests, then, oh, well, this one, can't. you know, we did 10 tests. Nine were negative. One was positive. You better stick around. Let me show you something. In the UK, this is Ezra Levant. He says police arresting man for hugging people. Earlier in the video, you can see this man going around giving hugs to a bunch of people. And as he tries to leave the park, the police stop him. They surround him and say, you are under arrest. And there it is. The man gets arrested. Why? Because he hugged people. Take a look at this story. Barbadians demand Love Island star Zara Holland and her boyfriend are thrown in jail for flouting COVID laws after they tried to flee the island when he tested positive. Okay, well, you're probably saying the dude tested positive and then he tried to flee. He probably should get locked up. I don't know about jail, but a medical facility, right? I want to throw you a line from V for Vendetta. If you're looking for the guilty party, the person who made the authoritarianism possible, you need only look in a mirror. Okay, I know probably most of you watching me are not the guilty party. You're probably the ones advocating for some reasonable restrictions to stop, to, to slow the spread to the best of our abilities and take care of people, protect the vulnerable, while also maintaining our individual rights to run our businesses. We can live our lives wearing masks and social distancing and protecting those who are in the affected groups, not just destroying everything. But I digress. The reason all this is happening is because regular people are authoritarian psychopaths, and the sooner you realize it, the better. In this video that's going viral, there's a woman in an elevator screaming at a delivery woman because she doesn't like the way she's wearing her mask. You can see the, the delivery woman is actually wearing a mask. And then this woman just snaps, yells, and slams the wall as hard as she can in the elevator before storming off. You can see her mask actually falls down right there. I said on Twitter, people are starting to break. This woman is likely mad about being locked down for a year and needs some way to vent her anger. There is even a video where a man says, we all have to wear masks, but she doesn't. Yeah, there's a viral video where there's a guy stalking a woman in a store, screaming at her, put your mask on. 
And she's saying, leave me alone. He says, is anyone else mad about this, that we all have to wear masks, but she doesn't? Is that what it's really about? That woman in the elevator needs something to be mad at, but she doesn't know why she's mad. So she lashes out at anyone she can. You can expect more of this coming soon. They're mad because their lives have been crushed. They're being treated like scum. You can't leave. You can't do anything. Put your mask on, sit down and shut up. And they freak out and they'll target anyone they can. It's kind of like when you get that schoolyard bully, right? And he's picking on the kid. And then the kid goes to his house and it turns out the, the, the bully's dad is picking on him. So then he can't do anything about it. So he redirects his anger to other people and bullies. It's like that trope. People are being suppressed and oppressed by the government. It's not the virus that destroyed everything. The virus is still out of control, even though we locked down wore masks. Perhaps we need a more surgical approach and we need to change what we're doing. Because what they've done now, I would say, is particularly interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. You take a bunch of people, take them from their jobs, people who don't care about politics. You force them into their homes where they can't do anything. They can't go out. They're going to get angrier and angrier. They're going to look for something, something to be mad at. They're going to go online and they're going to start hearing stories and they're going to start seeing politics, things they didn't know about before. It's going to get many more people involved. Fox 11, L.A. Sheriff, super spreader task force detains 900 during New Year's Eve party busts. They say the L.A. LA County Sheriff's Department super spreader task force shut down at least five New Year's Eve parties across the county, resulting in at least 900 people being detained, 90 arrests and or citations, and the recovery of at least six guns. Fox's 11's cameras were at three of the parties, including Malibu, downtown downtown LA, and Pomona. The Malibu party was held at a large upscale home on Moonrise Drive after it had been promoted on Instagram. LASD showed up outside the home in the middle of the party, warning the crowd on the loudspeaker. This is the LA County Sheriff's Department. This super spreader party is now over. Anybody who refuses to leave will be subject to arrest. Hundreds of people were ordered to leave the party immediately. Those who refused were cited. We have a First Amendment right in this country to peaceably assemble. It doesn't say for what reason, just that we can. These officers are acting in clear violation of the Constitution. And of course, they'll keep doing it. Of course, it'll only get worse. They want to say there were at least two arrests and LASD says two guns were recovered. We are actively enforcing the super spreaders to protect against COVID, said Captain Holly Francisco. Francisco, once we confirmed there was a party there, we had our super spreader task force respond and detain the occupants. Fox 11 was also at another large warehouse party in downtown L.A. with hundreds of people also broken up by LASD. As the crowd was kicked out and the citations were being issued, gunshots could be heard in the distance, along with fireworks. Fox 11 was also at a third party in Pomona. An LASD sheriff's response team unit also showed up to break this party up. We're going ahead and writing citations to the people that knowingly placed others in jeopardy by having a large gathering, said Lieutenant Lieutenant John Satterfield. There was no social distancing. There were no masks. It was unsafe and irresponsible. Tell me, does the First Amendment say we may peaceably assemble so long as we're wearing masks? No, it says we may peaceably assemble. These are not these are not cops. These are oath breakers, bootlicking Gestapo. 
One party goer told Fox 11, we are tired of closing this S down. My people have lost businesses and all that S. And we really just wanted some fresh air, man. That's what's going on. We wanted some fresh air. They came out with the tanks and all, man. S is crazy. L.A. County Sheriff Alex Villanueva has pledged to focus his health order enforcement priority on super spreader events rather than businesses. Super spreader events. December 4th, it was reported. Maryland COVID-19 squad investigates quarantine breakers. And yes, they can arrest you. We're in a, a, a crisis. COVID is bad. Is it airborne Ebola? No. Is it the worst virus we've ever faced? Actually, absolutely not. The survival rate's actually around 99.99% for most people. People over the age of 70 with comorbidities have a slightly higher chance, uh, mortality rate. But even then, it's still around 97% survival. So why does this justify the suspension of the Constitution? I don't know. Now, the left will tell you the good the government is the good guys. Why? Well, they're bootlickers. I'll tell you this. The left might say, why were you supporting the police during the Antifa riots? Well, because Antifa was smashing up local businesses and throwing explosives at people. Right now, I'm critical of the police for being the ones oppressing regular people, enforcing and acting their constitutional rights. These people are not throwing explosives or smashing windows. Let me ask you this, leftists. Why do you now support the police? Please, by all means, come out and tell me you don't. And then I will say thank you. I do not support these people, these cops. Absolutely not. And at this point in L.A., in New York, where they're enforcing unconstitutional edict, by all means, defund them. So I'll tell you, you know what? I'll give you this one to the left. Maybe you were right in the, in the long run about defunding them to a certain degree. Not for the reasons you were pushing. I think those were extreme. But right now we are learning just who actually supports the Constitution and who the real criminals are. These officers who are locking people up are actually in violation of the law. There is no authority by which the governor can just declare and make decree. And then people can go and just kidnap you. Oh, and I'll say a kidnap. I know it's usually like an ANCAP or a libertarian or a leftist talking point. But if there is no statutory authority by which they are stopping and taking you, they're kidnapping you. I said it before. For a civilized society to function, and actually this is a quote, uh, a paraphrasing coming from Brett Weinstein, a very smart fellow. He said, police need to be able to make arrests. He's right. That means if you know you didn't do something wrong and the cop is arresting you, you go through the process. We are not an, anar- an anarchic state. We are not a libertarian paradise. We're a constitutional republic, liberal democracy. Those, def- those, those, those uh, are ways to define a bit about what our country represents. That means you can be arrested. Even the founding fathers thought so. But you have certain rights as that process rolls through to protect you from the state and to make sure your rights are, are, are protected. Well, today, all that is out the window. The cops can just arrest you. New York is proposing a bill where they can just take you away if you're suspected of, having a, of, of making contact. And do you think that your local police officer is going to say, I, I'm not going to arrest this person? Well, you'd be wrong. Of course they will. Now, maybe in some smaller jurisdictions, smaller towns, the sheriff won't because they know they're outnumbered by a large, angry, armed population. But in places like California and New York and Illinois and Massachusetts and Ohio and Michigan, well, maybe not so much Ohio, actually. That, that was a bad one. Ohio seems to be kind of okay. We'll see. 
But in certain places, they'll just come and lock you up. We saw something interesting the other day, a viral thread from Ford Fisher of Trump supporters and conservatives stomping on the thin blue line flag and throwing it in the street. These are crazy days, crazy times. Conservatives saying F the police, stomping on the thin blue line flag, Bitcoin skyrocketing. I think the, I'm just going to say it. These are signs and indications that this country is breaking down. Now, these these grifter leftists, all they do is they take quotes out of context because they can't actually engage with the arguments. You, you know, they're the grifters because they could actually address the things I'm saying or just continue supporting the police and the state and those who would propose setting up designated locations by which to take people suspected of making contact with someone who may be a threat to public health. Will you support the government's right to just take people without cause? Oh, but it's to stop COVID. Okay, well, just tell me you support the establishment. It's that simple. We'll see who the real anti-fascists are when the government starts locking people up arbitrarily. Oh, they already are. Oh, what's that? Prominent YouTube personalities on the left are already supporting them. Welcome to being a bootlicker. That's what you guys were saying before, right? As Antifa was going around destroying small businesses, you were a bootlicker if you defended those small businesses and told them not to burn down police stations. We'll see how things go coming up the next few days. But let me just stress, Antifa still hates the cops. There's just grifters who pretend that this is all a good thing. Those are the people on Twitter who would defend these lockdowns. They're grifters. They, they're, they, they claim to be anti-fascist, but they literally support the state curtailing people's rights without question. Yeah, OK. Oh, but it's not for the nation. It's for the world. So we're not fascists. So you're authoritarians. How about that? When you have conservatives and the left both saying the cops are bad, when Bitcoin is skyrocketing, let me tell you what's going on. The rich people are moving their money fast. They're buying property fast. Trust me. I'm looking at properties right now. They don't last a day. They are buying up and the rates are skyrocketing. You know why? In response to the lockdown, the U.S. government has printed something like they've increased the money supply by like 66%. You are not going to enjoy what comes next. The inflation is hitting things that rich people buy because they have the means to do it. So property values are going up in key locations. There's one area I've been looking. I've been looking for, I mentioned this, West Virginia properties to to set up a big open acreage. It's almost impossible. They're being bought up and sold left and right. I should say bought up like crazy. They hit the market for a day, gone. After all the rich people exchange all of their, you know, they buy land, they buy gold, they buy Bitcoin. Look at what's skyrocketing, Bitcoin. They buy all that stuff. The inflation is going to hit basic goods and gasoline, and then things will get really bad. And that's when this anger erupts. And that's when these people start smashing windows and screaming. And that's when the police say you are a danger to yourself and others, and you will be detained. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong about the escalation. But a month ago, COVID squad was arresting people in L.A., 900 people. And now New York is proposing this bill. No, it looks like escalation. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then.